This is something that was inevitable. It was going to happen sooner or later. This is Derailment Disaster, Crisis in East Palestine. February 3rd, 2023. It started as an average day in East Palestine, Ohio. It was cold and blustery. And the trains rolled through town, one after another, as they do every day. Locals will tell you they see about 50 or so on a daily basis. As the sun went down that day, Bill Slavic, a custodian at East Palestine High School, headed into work. We had a basketball game that night, and two of the people who work over the other building had to come over and help us clean up. His wife Marjorie, who's retired, was at home watching television. She wears a headset because she's a little hard of hearing. I get a text from my niece and also one from my friend that lives on the outskirts of town who asked about the excitement in town. And then she said, do you need to go somewhere? And I replied to her, "Um, it's too cold to go anywhere. And I couldn't imagine why she was saying that. And so I called my friend and she said, well, there's been a big train derailment and a huge fire taking place at the moment in East Palestine. Over my left shoulder, there is a massive fire. We are seeing heavy smoke and flames. So we went outside and looked in and you could see it burning there. And this was at 10 o'clock, a little after 10. So we finished, they went back over to their building and the girl over there called me at probably 20 to 11 and said they are evacuating because she lives on the same side of town. She said they are making us evacuate our houses. So she called our boss and then our boss called us back and said, you guys go ahead and go home. Almost simultaneously, he came home from work. We went out on the porch. We saw different neighbors loading up their vehicles, leaving. And I was in (laughs) shock. About 11.30, a guy came knocking on our door, um, advising that we should evacuate. And I just talked to a police officer who tells me that homes within a mile radius of this fire have been evacuated. If you have not evacuated, please leave the area. It's very difficult when when someone comes to your door and says, "You, you really should get out now, trying to find what you should take. There's a sense of panic. I had heard about the uh, the derailment and I was concerned about what was going on because I have relatives that live a, a town over in New Waterford. About a half an hour north of East Palestine, former Youngstown Fire Battalion Chief and hazmat specialist of more than 30 years, Sil Caggiano, started getting texts from local media. People were looking for answers that were slow to come and still did his best to begin filling in the blanks during those initial days following the derailment. And they were asking me questions about, you know, what's going on, why aren't we knowing anything? And I said, well, what do you mean, why aren't you knowing anything? He says, well, you know, we're asking what was on there, and the incident command said that they'd have no idea. They do not know exactly what products are burning right now. They're hoping to learn more as the sun begins to come up. There's also a no- You know, if I was the incident commander after the 
conductor if he was alive or the engineer of the train was alive and we met, the very next thing I would ask him is, where is your consist? I want to see your consist. And I was dumbfounded that that wasn't already in the hands of the incident commander at that point in time in this incident. A train consist is a list. It includes designators for the cars and ways to identify what's on the train. They keep saying that there is nothing there, there is nothing there. And I said, you know, there has to be a train consist. And even if there isn't, you can call the main office that's in Chicago and they'll ship, they'll, they'll give you a PDF version of it because they keep a PDF version of it because the American Association of Railroads makes them enter the data in so this stuff can be tracked. Because without knowing what you're dealing with, how can you deal with it? The one chemical that was divulged early on was vinyl chloride. Uh, the rail car that was carrying that is doing its job. Uh, the safety features of that rail car are still functioning. As someone with a journalism background and who's trained in crisis communication, I can tell you that while East Palestine Fire Chief Keith Drabick was undoubtedly doing his best to field questions, there was still a feeling that residents were being kept in the dark. He could only provide as much information as he was being given. What chemicals are in the water? I, I can't answer that right now. I don't have those in front of me. Are there any other chemicals that were on there? And if so, how many on different, in different cars? I, I couldn't give you a total number of how many in different cars. Yes, there were other chemicals. Will you be seeking a list of those from Norfolk Southern? Yes. Uh, someone reached out for me that reached out to me that was there and said that very early on, Norfolk Southern took charge of everything. To what extent they took over incident command, I don't know, but it seemed to me to be rather extensive. Um, we are going to stay out of that area until Norfolk Southern deems it safe. As local news reporters' unanswered questions continued piling up, Sill put his hazmat credentials to work. He says, well, you know, how, what can we say that tells them that we have the right to know? I said, Sarah Title Three. Within SARA, which is the Superfund Amendments and Reauthorization Act of 1986, is Title III. And Title III is also known as the Emergency Planning and Community Right to Know Act. It establishes requirements regarding emergency planning and community right to know reporting on hazardous and toxic chemicals. And by law, they are supposed to have the information available to you. That went on for another day. So I said, all right, send me pictures, any picture you can get of anything. And by that time they had drones in the air and they had various assorted news companies sending pictures out. So they sent me pictures and I started identifying what was contents in these by UNID number, which is a, uh, it, it tells you what the hazmat class is and what the chemical is and or by uh, serial numbers for the cars. The American Association of Railroads runs a program that if you're an incident commander or involved in hazmat, you can get that program and you could ping those numbers and find out where it's at, who has it, and what's in it. And the news media people were like dumbfounded. I'm standing there giving them the information that the people who are in charge of dealing with the cars should have already known. After the first full day, I, I remember feeling concerned, but what was difficult for me to fully grasp was the magnitude of the accident and the, the dangers that East Palestine residents faced. Admittedly, though, I simply wasn't as engaged as I should have been. And why wasn't I as engaged as I should have been? More than likely because I knew deep down I was just going to get very angry. And to be honest, considering the way everything has played out since early February, 
I was right. It's going to be very difficult for me to hide that fact throughout this series. As I continue to watch these Palestine residents be led in circles, I don't know that there's any other way to feel. We are continuing to follow that breaking news this morning. A train derailed in Ohio, forcing the village of East Palestine to issue an evacuation order. Well, it took them three days before they even told us what was on the train. We didn't know. Nobody knew. Firefighters from three states, including Pennsylvania, responded to the village. You can still see the smoke from the fire that's burning behind me. And then they originally came out and said, well, they didn't know how to put the fire out because they didn't know if water would put it out, how water would react to it, what kind of chemicals they use. That's why they were still letting it burn. And just into our newsroom moments ago, a state of emergency has been declared for the village as they continue to evaluate this derailment. Uh, really, residents are coming and going uh, in the downtown here, uh, asking questions and wondering what's going on. And, you know, we, we did come back the next morning because, I mean, while there was a lot of traffic in town, it, it didn't seem like there was a cause for panic at that point. Yeah, we spent Saturday night here. And then the next morning, they were coming around knocking again, telling us we needed to get out because one of the train cars, the temperature was rising in it. And they didn't know at that point if it was going to actually blow up. So at that point, we gathered things up and we went back down to my father's house. Sunday night, they came on with a press conference about eight o'clock and they said, you really, um, you really need to leave. And we're calling in the Ohio National Guard. And it was, it was pretty scary. It's not, they told us if we didn't leave, you were gonna get arrested. Yes. And people with kids, little kids, they threatened them with child endangerment if they didn't leave. It was during that press conference that Ohio Governor Mike DeWine, along with Norfolk Southern Regional Manager Scott Deutsch, made an announcement that even now makes me take pause. They chose to do something called a controlled release. Let me now ask uh, Scott Deutsch uh, to come up uh, from the North Norfolk Southern Railroad. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit about what this controlled release actually consists of. Thank you, Governor. Uh, the process that we're going to do today uh, we're going to place a small shape charge. It's going to create a hole about two and a half to three inches in the tank car. Uh, this will allow the material to come out of the tank car. It'll go into a pit and trench that we have dug and set up for this operation. Um, inside that trench will be flares aligning that trench that then will light off the material. We're doing this so that we control this tank car that we have concerns with, these tank cars. Um, this allows us to control that operation and not have the car react and do it itself. I think we nuked a town with chemicals so that we could get a railroad running. Eventually, we learned of what toxins were in some of those cars. Toxins like butyl acrylate, benzene, ethyl hexyl acrylate, ethylene glycol monobutyl ether. I would always do training with my guys, and I would do case studies and look at case studies of railroad accidents 
and present case studies that have different scenarios. It's just to keep it from being boring. And none of the case studies I've ever seen was this answer ever used. Because of the potentiality that if you're burning off vinyl chloride, you are creating hydrogen chloride and you're also creating phosgene, which is a military agent. It's a CG and it was used during World War I because basically both hydrogen chloride and um, phosgene are heavier than air and they seek low spots. It was wonderful for the Germans during World War I because that was a foxhole war. I think possibly because of that, the uh, 52nd Weapons of Mass Destruction Civil Support Team was called in because uh, that was in fact a weapon of mass destruction that would potentially be created with the burnoff. Uh, the end result was something advantageous when compared to the alternative. The alternative being letting the car cool off, letting it burn off, and then going in and pumping all these other cars out, which would have taken a considerable amount of time and cost them a considerable amount of money. That's what this is all about. They all had to get that train through here and no matter what the cost was, they had to get that train to Conway. And so, yes, it makes me angry because it was avoidable. So much for the love of money. We pretend it's milk and honey. So much for the love of money. We money has always been a priority. The very first incident I ever had, and this was just going back maybe 30 years ago. Fortunately for the city of Youngstown, what was steaming was molten sulfur. That's bad enough, it stinks. But we had to send guys in suits to go down and make sure it wasn't anything worse. As soon as those guys radioed back to command that it's only molten sulfur and uh, another few other cars with vegetables and stuff, as soon as they found out it was nothing dangerous, as our guys were walking out in suits, their guys were passing us in trucks, getting ready to get the train back off the tracks and the train opened again. And the, the gentleman from CSX said, this has already cost us a million dollars. We got to get this going. So money is always at it. And every other train derailment that I have taken care of or been with, there was always the go factor. Hurry up, let's get this going. Let's get this going. We got trains, you know, we got trains in the pipe that's going to come down. So there always is that push to get the line open to get the trains through. Um, that is just a given. And it's something that I told one of the reporters earlier on in this. And I said, watch they're going to screw the people over just to get their rail lines open. They just texted me back the other day and said, you're right, you were right from the get-go. That's what they did. So much for the love of money. pretend it's milk and honey. And within days of doing that, the people were allowed back home and trains were running through the city of East Palestine. So I think we have some uh, good news for the residents. Uh, so what we're going to do today uh, is to tell you what the announcement is. Uh, <clears throat> I'll, I'll ask uh, Chief Drabeck uh, to come up. And I just want to say, first of all, that he has done a phenomenal job. So, Chief, uh, I'll let you come up. Yesterday, the United States EPA, Ohio EPA, and the 52nd Civil Support Team collected air and water samples from the evacuation area. These samples were analyzed overnight 
These agencies, along with the Ohio Department of Transportation, or the Ohio Department of Health, and the East Palestine Fire Department field is now safe to be in the evacuation area. With the full support and backing of Governor DeWine, I'm happy to announce that the evacuation order is now lifted. They had railroad cars sitting out there that were filled with gravel because they knew after the controlled burn, or they thought after the controlled burn, that they would be able to come in here, get the cars off, off the tracks far enough, get the tracks rebuilt, dump the gravel, and get their trains running. And when they lifted the evacuation order, there were trains running through here immediately. EPA is saying that they're continuously testing and showing that it's safe. Um, does that sound like it's possible? It's possible, extremely possible, because it all depends on what monitor you're using. The acute exposure to this was the big cloud, okay? Now it dispersed its chemicals over a wide, wide area. So you might not find these chemicals in detectable amounts in places. However, if they're there, now you're looking at exposure to them at these levels over a 10, 15, 20 year period. What is going to be the accumulation of exposures to these chemicals? What is going to happen if, again, they plant and it's taken in, you know, it's taken into the public by buying local, you know, buying the potatoes off the farmer, buying the carrots off the farmer, buying those Brussels sprouts. Or if the cow eats it and it gets into his system and his body takes it in, you're starting to follow the, the, the domino effect that you have here? We're older, so it's not gonna affect us like it is kids now, little 10-year-olds, 15-year-olds. We're older. We're not going to live long enough for this. Chances are the long term to affect us. That's not going to happen. And I know that. But there are people that are 15 years old that are and probably will not stay around here for that reason. I mean, they're going to leave around here. They're not going to stay here. So it's, you know, it's it's devastated the economy in this whole area. We truly don't know what's going to happen. It makes my heart just pitter-patter to even think of it. It's hard to sleep at night. One of my friends just had a heart attack. I'm sure probably brought on by anxiety. We want this to be our home for the rest of our lives. And because our home is now worthless through the greed of this corporation, it's taken it all away. The fear that this has created in us and the anxiety. I see on Facebook people posting, posting, I just start crying. And I understand that totally because it is our lives. We're, we're getting all the attention right now because it actually derailed here. But there is a lot of people around this area that's affected besides us. It's done the same thing to them. I mean, the people in PA, their houses aren't going to be worth anything. It's, it's the same thing. Think about this. Think about this over the past two weeks. Nobody knew it was there. Then all of a sudden they knew it was there, but they couldn't say. Then they said, it's this and it's dangerous. Then they said this, you got to evacuate one and a half miles. 
I immediately said one and a half miles probably is not enough. Maybe you know two miles. Well, the first one mile, then went one and a half. Maybe you're looking two miles. Then he went to two miles. Then you could come back home. Then people were starting to get sick. Then they say you could drink the water. Then you couldn't drink the water. Drink bottled water. Now you can drink the water. Now they're saying if you're worried about things, don't drink the water. Get bottled water. No one said anything about wells. Nobody has said anything about the fish kill off. So what confidence do you have in the information you're getting from these individuals. The confidence is shot. You blew your confidence because you didn't do the simple thing. And it's called tell the truth, tell it all, tell it first, and tell them what the hell you're gonna do about it. You saw none of that in this. In the coming weeks, we'll discuss the government and corporate decisions that have seemingly created an environment where derailments like this can happen. And we'll investigate how and why this specific incident happened. We'll talk to residents who became ill and those who still live in fear of the air they breathe, the water they drink, and the soil they walk on. We'll also explore the mental health impacts and the continuing environmental cleanup efforts. Because... This story isn't going away anytime soon, and neither are we. Disaster, Crisis in East Palestine is a Calliope Media production. Trust Calliope.com. That's C-A-L-L-I-O-P-E. If you feel moved to do so, please rate, review, subscribe, and share. Special thanks to Benstown McVeigh Media.